Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, friends. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light. Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light got their start when two Texas natives found themselves playing in different ensembles in the Austin music scene. When Eric Flores and Emilia Rose Logan closed the circle and decided to work together, both music and romance blossomed, and the pair wound up in Los Angeles' Echo Park neighborhood, an artistically fertile enclave which is currently the home of a rich and vibrant West Coast style of Americana music. Now based once again in familiar surroundings back in Austin, Flores and Logan have assembled a six-piece band to fully realize their musical vision. Texas flavors and influences abound on their eponymous debut. There are dusty boots, faded jeans, wistful waltzes, at least one snake tattoo, burning Telecaster licks, tequila, and aching and broken-hearted two-part harmonies, all of which is set against an expansive sky. Best of all, Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light songs hold up to these tried-and-true topics that make up the best of the earnest but blurry line where country music and rock and roll are kissing cousins. Welcome to Independence Day, Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light, where most of the band, the heart of the band, say hello. Hey, thanks for having us, man. Thanks for being here. You guys are, this is going to be like the Tale of Two Cities episode, I've decided, because okay. you guys have this kind of L.A., Austin, kind of bipolar kind of existence where you were there, then you were here, then you're there, but now you're here, but then you're going back there. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's exactly right. And just to, to get the complete the pun, it's like the best of tacos. It was the best of tacos. It was the worst of tacos. <laughs> Because there's like warring factions of Mexican food styles, depending on which city you're in. Fish tacos are better in Los Angeles. I would say so too. It makes sense. Breakfast tacos are better in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into that fight because I come from Chicago and there are lots and lots of people of Mexican lineage in Chicago and they have amazing Mexican food in Chicago. Right. And, uh... So it's it's a but it's a funny thing you know the one you know the one thing it's way better back east in terms of Mexican food mm-hmm. they give you more salsa yeah in Los Angeles they give you this tiny little like thimbleful that's true. well you should come to Texas and they charge you like nine dollars for another one you get an entire mixing bowl of yeah salsa so that's in what Texas. I want I want like a cereal bowl for starters <laughs> <laughs> that's before the stuff even shows up but anyway we never even named you guys it's Eric Flores yes on guitar and vocals and Amelia Rose Logan guitars vocals mandolins etc yeah. And uh, it's such a fun thing. It's always fun to have a couple on the show, right? And I can peel back the curtain, right? I can talk about that? Yes, absolutely. Absol- okay, because yes. you guys are more than a couple. You've got a wee one. We do, we do have a wee one. We have a nine-month-old daughter. And congratulations. Thank you so what much. What a cool, like, I don't know. Like, I, I always have such respect for people who have procreated and continue to do what they do. <laughs> We were talking about this before, Amelia, mm-hmm. how yes. a lot of people, I think they have babies and they use it as an excuse to not do things anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, And I know that it's all encompassing to see change. Tell me, like, how did it change your life? I mean, in terms of your music career. I think as far as we're concerned, having a baby put more fire under our yeah, under butts. us to, yeah, to, um, to be better and do more and, and make it happen. Yeah, it's true. I think when we had her... I personally turned into a, like a, a scheduling mm-hmm. you know, master. <laughs> he did. So we took her when she was three months old. We took her on tour with us mm-hmm. from L.A. up to Portland and back and everywhere in between. And uh, 
we were forced to stick to a very solid yeah. schedule. And we also had to, we we're going to release the album at this time. We we're going right. to be at this show at this time. And there's no like, ah, maybe not, because you got a baby involved right. and everything is bam, 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 bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to, it just reprioritizes your life. And anything that's not essential or crucial or really important just kind of falls away naturally, which I think a lot of people could stand to have happen, including myself <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Like you get bogged down. It's like, come home, you're tired. Like, oh, I'll just watch an episode of The Wire again, which then turns into four episodes of The Wire or, you know, whatever. Uh, But I'm glad to see that you're just bringing her along. So how did you manage? Like when when a baby's three months old, like I I can't help but ask, Mm -hmm. when a baby is three months old, like they're still kind of in the pupa phase. They are. They're they're still little wormy ones. (laughs) Wormy and like not really sentient in the true sense of the word. You know, personality's barely even there. They're just kind of eating and pooping and sleeping and crying. And like, so how how did you manage? Did you have other people on the road with you? We did. Um, A dear friend of ours, Nikki San Pedro, came with us and um, took excellent care of her. So um, we had a a tour van. that Eric drove with the rest of the band and all the gear. So you went you went out as a full band? We did. With a three-month-old? We did. Kudos to those band members. <laughs> good Lord. You guys they, must be really tight with those folks. They were, uh, they were very good sports about it. Um, we had a separate car that um, Nikki and I drove with the baby. Okay. So. The baby mobile. The baby mobile. So yeah. then, now is Nikki, is she also a musician? Did she kind of, or no, is she just kind of tagging along just for baby duty? She, uh, she's a writer. Okay. And um, an, an excellent writer. And so it was a nice break for her. She got a lot of writing done. Um, some fodder for some stories right. and poems. And um, and she loves us and she loves Eliana and yeah. she wanted to come and help. And she got to get out among the English, which I think is good for everyone. I think everyone should have to travel. Yeah. I have like weird rules about stuff like that. I think this is way too socialist for America, but I think that everyone should have to be a waiter for a period of their lives. Absolutely. Every single person, to a man or woman. Agreed. Should have to be a waiter. And they should also, they should have to leave the country, preferably the continent, Mm -hmm. for like a minimum of three months Mm -hmm. because you learn that there are other ways to do. Yeah, you have to get out of your bubble. Out of your bubble. That's exactly (laughs) it. Uh, So you guys have to date just one record, eponymously titled Mm -hmm. uh, Fairbanks and the Lonely Lonesome. I've, for some reason, I have a mental block with lonely versus lonesome. You're not I, alone. I want your band to be lonely, <laughs> uh, but it's Lonesome Light, uh, and it's a handful of tracks in the Americana style. Good stuff. Thanks, They're man. Very nice. And I also like it when bands are a duo, but they have, like, because you guys, we'll talk more about how you go about writing and how you about go about ranging after, well, I'm going to hear some music in just a second, but uh, it's cool when a band is a duo, but then they they make it a priority to have other band members as well. Cause it's so easy and so much more efficient to just go out on a tour as you two. Right. Right. Yeah. But having those other band members brings so much more in terms of dynamics and musical versatility and volume and everything else just becomes right. a much bigger production. Plus I think it's easier to get people to pay attention when you have a whole band. Have you found that to be the case as well? It is. It's true. It's uh, it's a bigger production, like you say. We get to lean on those guys quite yeah. a bit. We <laughs> we try our best to surround ourselves with people who are more talented than we are. Of that's, course, that's how you learn. <laughs> totally, that's how you get good, man. Yeah. Um, and we've succeeded, I think. Yeah. And it shows in the record, in my opinion, and it shows in our live shows. But you're right. Touring as a duo would be more efficient and cheaper, right. and maybe we will. Well, certainly, um, you know possible but right. we do like having a band well you have flexibility yeah. in terms of that like if this is the core 
you know, then you have the option of going out and doing like a streamlined little set of run of dates exactly. or the acoustic show. But I, I, this comes up a lot, but I, I really like acoustic shows, but only in the capacity when it's, uh, when I have a band that I'm stepping away from right. to do an acoustic show. Like if I'm only doing acoustic shows, I am not interested in playing anymore. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's just, I just lose interest in it. I get, it, I'm bored with myself. Yeah. It's nice to have the versatility to do duo shows and band shows. Um, they both they feel different um we like doing both of them doing the duo shows um i think helps us to reconnect um to each other and to the music yeah on a more personal level but being on stage with the band is yeah when they come in it's you know it's a completely different energy it's really totally really beautiful and thing you, and you guys are in here we're doing a taping on a monday and so this is the morning after your grand old echo appearance so your ears are still ringing from a full band show down at the echo <laughs> exactly and yeah. i love that's such a cool thing that they do down there it really is such fun so did you guys come out was this just kind of a date on a tour or was this something someone said hey you should come play this and you came to do that and then it was a one-off for us okay we're here to do other things like you know, your show and mm -hmm. a couple of other things that we're going to be involved in. But that was the only show that we booked while we were out here. Okay. And we're friends with Ben Riddell and, and uh, Jocelyn and Matt Farber, who helped them with right. it before. And uh, that whole gang of people, Kim Grant, of course, who started the whole thing. Right. So they're super sweet and super supportive and have always been there for us, along with the whole scene, man. In my opinion, that whole Grand Ole Echo scene, the Americana, every Sunday, you know, for the season it's just great it's super cool everyone is very supportive and laid back and yeah we were kind of new to it mm -hmm. um not too long ago and they were just yeah you know arms wide open come on in and, and uh, get in on this it creates like a for lack of a better word like a town hall or a meeting place or you know la is such a like a a town where you want to see and be seen. And there's a little bit of that, even involved in the Grand Ole Echo. Like, you right. have to show up and kind of make a few appearances. I shouldn't say have to. You right. get to. Uh, but it's also, it provides a place where like-minded people, artistically speaking, can go and know you're going to bump into other people who are like-minded. Right? Yes. And people who are playing a style that's not unlike yours. And, and that's the, another cool thing about Americana is that it's very diverse. And Jeremy, it ranges all the way from, like, quiet Gillian Welch milk carton kids all the way to Neil Young's mm -hmm. type style feedback drenched stuff is all kind of all wrapped up in Americana, which is what I love about the genre. It's less concerned about labels. I'd like to think so maybe, I don't know. Not as many rules as like bluegrass or other stuff. Right. I think it's kind of Americana, the, the way the genre is growing. I think it's sort of taking, taking the place of what rock and roll maybe was at the beginning mm -hmm. Where there were a lot less rules about it, and right. there was a, a, it was just basically a nice big, empty canvas on right. which you could do whatever the hell you wanted. Right. Everything from you know back then from Pink Floyd to you know Neil Young acoustic, and it was all rock and roll, and and maybe maybe rock and roll ran a course. I mean, I'm, some people are going to hate that I say that, and I love rock and roll music, but Americana <laughs> seems to be a fresh new canvas for everyone to kind of do their thing yeah you know it is pretty broad you know yeah and if you look at back at those older bands you know pink floyd you said that uh or the stones like the stones played you know i was gonna say poop kicking is the nice <laughs> word to say that but like they you know they kind of idolized uh Graham parsons <laughs> and you know they would play that style of music and david mm -hmm. gilmore played lap steel guitar on a lot of stuff now he played it in a somewhat in an unorthodox fashion so it wasn't like traditional like western swing sounding lap steel 
um, or even pedal steel. But it, it just it, it kind of it, it's inclusive. I want things to be inclusive, so I like anything that like inv- invites people to kind of be yourself within this community. So I think that's a really cool thing. So kudos to to Ben and Matt and Kim and all those folks who put that together. And thank and congratulations for playing one of those shows. It's a fun night. Thank you. It's always a fun night. I must admit, to be with complete dis- full, full disclosure, I wasn't able to go. I had prior commitments. <laughs> so I'm sad I didn't get to see you guys play the full band show. Maybe next time. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back I hope for sure. Thanks. All right. So let's hear, what, uh, let's hear what the record sounds like. This record came out last year, which seems like only yesterday to me, and I'm sure maybe you too. You've already got a whole other album kind of in the can, right? You've already started recording that? Or- yeah. We, um, we just finished tracking it. Well, not just finished. Okay. But... So it's pretty recently. Close. We got it mixed. Okay. We're going to get it mastered and release it um, here pretty soon. Very nice. I don't want to commit to tape. No, of course. <laughs> you Mr. Scheduling guy is going to be vague about this. So I'm going exactly. to call you on that. So Okay, like that. so this is the band Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light. I've got Eric and Amelia here, the core of the band. This is from their last record. The track is called Be Here at All on Independence Day. Why you did it this time 
My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you for listening to Independence Day. That is Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light, Austin-based band who has deep Los Angeles roots. Thanks, you guys, for coming on. Appreciate it. Nice talking to you. Thanks for having us, man. I love meeting new folks, <laughs> especially if they're nice. You guys are nice people, which is, I mean, I know what you say to that, but it's, it's just nice to meet nice people, nice people. smiley you. people. <laughs> I don't know. Like, we, we are a smiley bunch. Wow. Music is funny, especially in Los Angeles. You know, like we were, I mentioned before, like this whole see or be seen thing, and there's like mm-hmm. all these different scenes in Los Angeles. And like, and that's one thing about rock that I, I, I don't really get into is like the, the, the angry scowling thing. Right. You know, like, it's not like you have to be grinning ear to ear the whole time. But what made Eddie Van Halen so awesome was that he was up there grinning. <laughs> he was tearing everybody a new rear end. And well, was, and you're saying this to a scowler. Yeah. Eric, Eric. He's been grinning this whole time we've been oh, sitting here. Oh, he grins with us. and But on stage, he gets very, very yeah. into the guitar playing um, when when it's just ringing out. And he gets very serious. Yeah. I can't see myself, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> and if you played with a mirror on stage, you'd, you'd, be, you'd have all kinds of ego problems. I don't even want to address right now. It's more of a psychology type, psychiatrist thing than, than a music interview. But you've got this album. You've got a band based in uh, Austin, Texas, which is both where you're both from originally. Mm-hmm. You grew up there, both of you, like local local folks? We did. We both grew up there. I was born and raised in Austin. Um, Eric was born in Laredo, Texas, but okay. raised in Austin. Um, and yeah, we, we've actually, we've been living out here in Los Angeles. We just went back to Austin about three months ago. Yeah, not that long ago, which is one of the, I think it's a fun time to have you on, having just yeah. left because you're, you know, the, there's all those phrases, you, you can or cannot go home again. But you kind of <laughs> went home, but yet you're still doing what you do. Now, but you were playing music in Austin, though, before you came to Los Angeles, right? We were playing music separately, um, we, we were, we were not a couple, uh, and we did not play together when we were previously in Austin at the same time. Um, Eric came out here about 10 years ago and, uh, I, I followed him four years ago. Okay. And now you guys knew each other for a long time before you were both musically involved or romantically involved. But which we came did. first in terms of the chicken or the egg with the music? Were you romantically involved and then decided to play some music together? Were you starting to play music together and then like saw the twinkle in the other one's eye and then off you went? Or how what's the what's the uh, time frame here? <laughs> I think that was kind of a simultaneous yes. thing. Interestingly enough, we re met in Austin at a friend's wedding and kind of uh, got a little bit of the sparkle in the eye, but immediately started playing um, guitar and singing together and kind of staying up till the sun was out and uh-huh. having just the most fun we'd ever had together, yeah. which got mixed up with romantic notions and next thing you know. And looking back at it, you guys knew each other for a long time. Amelia, you were telling me earlier, like how many years did you know each other before this all turned into what it is now? It's been almost 18 years. Yeah. That's a long time to know someone without having the chemistry click. (laughs) Which is impressive because we're both only 19. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I suppose that's entirely possible. I mean, man, my brother married his high school sweetheart. Like I'm not sure they've ever dated anyone else. Kudos to him. For real. You know, and now they've got two daughters and everything's hunky-dory and as much as having two daughters can never be hunky-dory, but they're beautiful and they're more or less happy and they have a pool. I wish I had a pool, but it's a lot of work though. Uh, So what do you think it was? Because you you had to have known each other very, very well. 
Like you were mm-hmm. friends, you would hang out together, you would do something, you were kind of in the music scene, yes. doing your different respective different things. Like what what the hell was it that after so long made you go, hey, she's hot, you know, or she's, you know, before, like you can know that your friends are hot, uh-huh. I guess is what I'm saying, right. but then not want to like be with them. You know um, what I mean? Maybe some distance between us for a little while. <laughs> when he moved out to Los Angeles, um, we we lost touch, I guess you would say. We didn't. We obviously didn't hang out anymore. We kept in touch via MySpace, if you remember MySpace, um, and then Facebook. And um, when he, I, I would come out. I visited him a couple of times when I came out to visit my brother, who was living in Claremont. Um, but. What was it? I don't know. He was coming in town for a friend's wedding and he called me up and said, hey, do you want to go? And came over to pick me up and go have a beer to hang mm. out as buddies as we yeah. have always been. And um, it sounds really cheesy, but he knocked on the door and I opened it and he just looked very different to me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden... Well, he was, wasn't a tuxedo, right? <laughs> no, 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 not tuxedo? that night. No. And it was the open bar that got her to come with me to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> he promised me wine and he pulled out my chair for me and he gave Aww. a wonderful best man's toast. And um, and and we, we played music that night. We sat up until the sun came up playing music. And like he said, it was the most fun that we had ever had together. Yeah. And, and I think that was that. And Eric, did you have, at this point, I mean, did you have anything other than platonic designs on this? Like, did you, like, suddenly have an awakening one day and thought, man, she's pretty. It was, like, she's always been pretty. Pretty. <laughs> and like you said, you know, you, you always know when your friends are hot. Right. And I thought she was gorgeous ever since I've known her. But, man, you know, I can't say, you know, I can't put my finger on it exactly, but it was around that exact same time that yeah. she opened the door. I was like, wow, this is, this is, you can't walk away from this. This is great. I'm hearing uh, Davy Jones singing Daydream Believer in, in, <laughs> in the back of my mind as I'm hearing this whole conversation. So I get uh, the animated the, stars. And yeah, it's uh-huh. the, 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 the actual little, don't they call them sprites? Yeah, it's a sprite. Yeah. In the eye. You know, the, the kind of, I think the bottom line to it all is, is reconnecting in the way that we did. Um, it was a romantic setting to begin with, being at a wedding. But playing the music, and I, you know, I just thought he was so cool, and I think he thought I was a little bit cool, too. And <laughs> yeah. and we were just, we were having a wonderful time together. Yeah. And, and then you said that the music thing, uh, playing together, had you never played together before that time? No. Okay, so maybe that's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. Positive vibration, man. <laughs> Unless my buddy who's a reggae geek says. Uh, and fascinating. Fascinating. So now, were both of you, I mean, this is kind of stepping back a little bit from the concept of the romantic thing, but uh, as writers, songwriters, were you, are you both writers in mm-hmm. general? We'll start there. Like with the previous groups that you were involved with. Yes. And then when you started playing together, did you start writing together because there's a big difference between writing and then playing together you may be in a band together for a hundred years and never write together so do you now like did you start writing together do you write together at all we don't really write together okay we do um a form of that uh she brings songs to the table and we we sort of uh you know flesh them out yeah yeah but we we edit each other's stuff she's Mm -hmm. a great editor 
for my songs. And, my, you know, I, I'll bring her a tune and she'll be like, ooh, maybe change that word or, you know, revisit the verse, you know, double the chorus or something of that sort. Or this just isn't hitting on all cylinders. And uh, I'll take it to heart and go back into my little corner and, yeah. you know, work it out and come back and be like, how about now? Yeah. And she's always right. Yeah. And I, women are smarter than men. It's true. I would like to get that on record. It's true. And uh, <laughs> again, it has worked to to our benefit as a band. Yeah. So and, she's. You know, I try to do the same for her. You know, she's the Janine to your David Saint Hubbins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Or that's bad. Or that's poop. That's, that's what exactly she said. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, and, and Amelia, from your perspective, yes. um, were you were you both writing a similar style of music before that? Or were they d- disparate and then no, became they something were, else? No, they were pretty different. Um, when we started playing together, Eric had um, a rock band um, that was amazing. Uh, I had quit playing music for a little while. Um, but previously to that, I had done in this genre, I guess it was mostly singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. It was just me. Um, coming together to play, though, this just... The harm, you know, singing harmony together, and yeah, it just made sense to do it this way, yeah. And it's well, it, you do harmonize well together, which is always a benefit when Thank you're romantically you. involved and you set out to play music together because if you didn't, <laughs> that would be a problem, yes, problem to work through. And uh, and so then w- the style that you do did that come to be kind of organically, or was there ever a discussion? Because you, you know, Eric, having come from like rock world, capital R. Was there a point at which you said, hey, let's do a band together. You know, we're shacking up, so to speak, and we're going to have a band, and it's going to be great and convenient. And right. so, you know, I always know where my band members sleeping. I don't have to call them, wake them up. We can share a car to rehearsals, et cetera. Uh-huh. Did you decide to do Americana? I, I, we, I don't know. I don't think it was a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a conscious decision to make the band. It was actually through, um, through our friends pushing us to do it. Mm-hmm. We would get together in the backyard and play a lot. And uh, slowly but surely, people were like, hey, man, there's this show that maybe you guys should do. A a good friend of ours, Kevin Bronson, a local Mm -hmm. writer, Buzz Bands LA, always been great to us, Mm -hmm. invited us to do like this singer-songwriter thing he was doing at a great little spot in Echo Park, um, Lot One Cafe at the time, Mm -hmm. or still Lot One Cafe. Um, And uh, that all happened organically, just like, ending up in this genre happened organically. I think our affinity for that type of music was mutual, for sure. And when we would get together and play cover tunes, we were both like, man, Gillian Welch is amazing. Yeah. You know, and Dave Rawlings. And And, they are. And and they are, are. to be sure. (laughs) So, no, man, it wasn't a decision. Not a conscious one. It just kind of rolled out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and when you play full band, you play some electric guitar as well, Eric, right? Yes. I was, I was just seeing a video. Kevin Milner, a friend of mine, also who played with your band last uh-huh. night, he just mm-hmm. put something on Facebook while we were taping this of you guys playing, <laughs> and I saw you playing what appears to be a Telecaster. Yeah. So so you still get you your chance, if you forgive me the phrase, you still get to get your rocks off on electric guitar. There's enough rock in the Americana <laughs> family tree. It's true, man. You know, we get, we get into, that, into that space. I enjoy it. Because yeah. I was doing, you know, Purely rock before, yeah. before <laughs> pure this. rock pure pure rock, um, and and uh, I don't know, man. I think there's space for all of it, and and creatively speaking, it it almost this band almost encompasses everything yeah. that I dig. You know, yeah. 
I, I think that coming from directly from a rock and roll band into this genre um, creates a lot of magic in yeah. the songs. You know, I I'm of the opinion that it kind of needs it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't personally when I write my music, I don't fit entirely into the Americana genre because I come from I come like maybe like you do. I come at it from the rock side. So like I like mm-hmm. acoustic instruments and electric instruments mixed together. And sometimes I love it fully acoustic as well. I love Iron I mean Iron and Wine started off that way. Mm-hmm. Gillian Welch, David Rawlings almost never electric instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really, really like it when it has that volume and that fire and that recklessness and that absurdity that is rock and roll mixed nice. in with it. Because I feel like Americana, if it has a downside, it can be kind of ponderous mm-hmm. and it can be kind of morose and it can be kind of, again, we that's when those rules start showing up yeah. and I don't want any of that. Yeah. You know, I want to turn up my Vox and I want it to be loud and I want feedback. Yeah. You know, it's a good thing. Anyway, I'm speaking with Eric and Amelia from Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light. They are a duo, but yet a full band as well, based in Austin, Texas. Got some deep Los Angeles roots. You can learn about them at FairbanksandTheLonesomeLight.com. We've been talking a lot about what their record sounds like, what they do together. Let's hear this live acoustic here in the Independence Day Studios. What's this first track going to be? What is this one? The first one we're going to play is called Crow. Okay. And it is off of our um, recently released album. I love to say the word eponymous or (laughs) eponymously. You do. I I don't know. Certain words, man. Words. Well, we're all writers, right? Words Uh are like our stock and trade. And it's one of my favorites. Eponymous, deciduous, coniferous. I don't know why these words just just (laughs) roll off the tongue. Anyway. All right. Joe Armstrong, this is Independence Day, Fairbanks, and the Lonesome Light on Independence Day. This is a song called Crow. Make up a rhyme 
like a crow Surrounded by songbirds Who in a cracked and determined voice Is something to say that is Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light, Austin-based band. They are here in Los Angeles on a short tour. So happy to have you guys in our studio. Thank you for sharing beautiful music. Thank you. Happy love to it, be love here, it. man. Thanks. I wish I could accommodate the full band to get the volume here, but I think I might be evicted <laughs> if, uh, if I tried to do the full volume thing. Yeah, Maybe someday. They get pretty loud. In our olden days, if you go back to some of our older episodes when we were mm-hmm. doing it at the college, we would do it after hours, like late at night when nobody was around, although we were below the library sometimes. And man, we had bands in who sounded like Crazy Horse. <laughs> we had uh, the Stone Foxes from San Francisco who are oh, phenomenal. Nice. They're excellent, loud, uh-huh. beautifully loud band. Uh, Neighborhood Bullies from here in Los Angeles, Dave and Michelle's band, loud in a wonderful, wonderful way. Eugene Edwards played a loud rock and set in there. And, uh, you know, I'm imagining people studying like one floor above us, like uh-huh. literally six feet higher than us is some kid trying to study for his trig final. Right. Oh. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know, we're all part of the same thing. Anyway, <laughs> so I want to talk about geography. We touched on this just a little bit before, like this back and forth business. Like first growing up in Austin, such a great music town, right? Is that why you think you guys went into music separately as you were growing up? Was it just because it was around? Was it a family thing? Like why get into music? For me, it was... Um partially a family thing mm-hmm. my dad played and um, still plays music um from time to time and he certainly turned me on to some good stuff but i think i took it from there pretty early on this is something that was just kind of uh kind of in me i guess so in the flores household when you say good stuff are you saying like bo diddley led zeppelin the beatles well i'm saying the beatles of course okay everybody knows that <laughs> <laughs> the best band in the world well, I don't know. But yeah, there was stuff to listen to and there were guitars around. And um, I'm sure my interest came from watching my dad play songs all night long with his buddies, yeah. you know. And uh, he ended up being an English professor and mm. he still plays music, um, you know, summer, summertime. And I played with him for a long time. I played bass in his band for a long time. And, uh, yeah, partially family and uh, partially Austin. I mean, as I got older and was able to go, you know, go out and see bands, there were a lot of bands in Austin yeah. that were very, very good, and uh, particularly around that time. And so, yeah, I think it all it all shaped shaped yeah. me. And you, Amelia? My household, my family was much the same. My mom sang. Uh, my dad. Uh, played music as well, he, um, piano and guitar, and he was a songwriter. Um, and we had the same same records playing in our house. Uh, the bedrock stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just I I think growing up that way, you can't help but have it in your soul a little bit. You know, coming it's- from coming from um, a musical family and and being exposed to all of the wonderful yeah. songs um and yeah like eric said probably partially austin too because as soon as you know we could we became of age and could drive our own car we yeah. would go and and hear all the bands sixth street yeah but um i and this is just my personal opinion um speaking about eric i think that regardless of the family and regardless of growing up in austin i think he would have been a musician anyway yeah. It's so deeply rooted in him 
and it's you got the music it's, in you, son. It just, it, <laughs> you know, the his songs, the songwriting, and the music—it just yeah. comes so easy and um, connects with the human condition. Yeah, well, it's all vibration. You know, we yeah. get all existential about this yeah. kind of thing—particles and waves and vibrations—and it all everything <laughs> vibrates and oscillates. The planets spinning around, yeah. and the sun's spinning around, and the universe, then our galaxy's spinning around, and then it's. Yeah hurtling through the blackness mm-hmm. of the giant void and now I feel like we should have some weed or something <laughs> but, uh, but yeah you know our respective parents and growing up in Austin definitely influenced yeah. and helped and it just was kind of a no brainer that that's what we would end up doing yeah and then you just kind of brought together what you do and do, do you do more uh, do you do other acoustic things like this sometimes or is this more unique this uh, kind of setting the way we did it you know, the way we're doing it now yeah. with just acoustic instruments, this may be the first time we've ever done it um, just acoustic. Okay. I usually play electric on a good part of the set when we mm-hmm. when we do our duo shows. Uh-huh. Right. I'll play, I'll have my, my guitar there, yeah. my electric guitar. And she'll do acoustic. Um, never fully mm-hmm. acoustic. So, so a special this, thing. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, man. We're having a good time doing yeah. this with you. Yeah. Let's, let's hear some more. I, we'll put off this thing. I want to hear more about geography, this Tale of Two Cities after this. But we got to get some more music <laughs> in first. Uh, and this is a lovely song. I can't wait to hear this. Tell me what this one is. This song is uh, Nothing to Escape. It's um, it's going to be on the next record, um, which we've uh, we've already tracked. And world mixed, premiere. And, uh, we're so looking, to speak. Yeah, exactly. We're looking forward to releasing it for you guys. All right, very, very nice. Once again, this is Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light, Eric Flores, Amelia Rose Logan, another wonderful song on Independence Day. This song's called Nothing to Escape. Escape, nothing to escape. 
this time Looking for nothing to escape Nothing to escape Nothing to escape Sometimes I dream Just like a child sense to me All the money you can spend It's the strangest world I've ever seen The stranger are the things on which I've come to depend With so many things to fear And how to cope is so unclear Just light yourself on fire Let it burn away But today is pretty good and the light is understood Put away the things that kill me And stick around another day I've got nothing to escape Nothing to escape to escape this time I've got nothing to escape nothing to escape nothing to escape this time My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. We come to you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., this time of year, Pacific Daylight Time. God, oh, I love summer. It's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> and even the hot, I'll take it, even the bugs back where I come from, lightning bugs and thunderstorms, it's like the best thing. Summer's the best. It certainly is. Being back best, in Texas, we, we have had our fair share of thunderstorms and lightning bugs in the last three months, and it's been glorious. Mm, love, 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 love. Anyway, my, the band, this, like I said, Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light, 
Uh, you can check them out at their website, which is just their name, Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light.com. They're also on Facebook at Fair, excuse me, Facebook.com slash Fairbanks Music. You can follow them on Twitter at Fairbanks321. Like 321 Contact. Is that where you got that? Or is it, <laughs> like, is this ready for launch or yeah. something, something like that? I think make Jeff, some stuff up, man. Come on. I'm yeah, setting you up. I'm working. I'm working here. The little hamster in my head is running go, full go, speed. Go. <laughs> anyway, I'm a, I'm a NASA geek. So I always think of that when I, th- I think right. of countdowns. Um, you're a duo, but you're also a band. We're going to hear a lovely Pink Floyd cover in a little while, yeah. but for, you know, that was another one of your songs coming out on a new record. You've got a record that people can pick up already. Uh, yes. It's available on CD and all the places where people buy music and people should buy music. I say this every single, every single week, mm-hmm. buy music, especially from artists at shows. That puts money directly into their pocket, and that pod, that money goes directly into their gas tank or into their stomachs, and that's how we keep doing what we do as musicians. So do this. Uh, so let's talk about. I keep I keep teasing this thing about this like tale of two cities, because what you had, you had already Eric you'd already been here, right? Yeah, I, I, and, and we're playing in bands in L.A. Yeah. By the time that you two kind of hooked up, so to speak. Yeah, I was here for ten years. Okay, pretty good yeah. while. And what kind of bands were you playing in? Um, rock bands. Just straight up rock? Yeah. I had a band called Monstro Flora for a while that was kind of- What was it called? I'm sorry? Monstro Flora. Okay. Yeah. It was like a indie rock kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, three piece, you know, loud guitar. Did you have success? Like, were you guys making a living and touring and- Yeah, we we were, we had a record out and um, uh, a buddy of ours, Greg Richling, produced it. We got to record at Sound City mm. while it was still Sound City That's before cool. they before they tore it down. So that was kind of a little dream of mine. Yeah. Wonderful console they had in there in room A and and uh you know all to tape and that good stuff. Yeah. And we were playing, you know, the great venues in town like the satellite and echo and stuff like that. And uh going back to Austin and playing as well. We were having a great time and uh, just ran its course. Yeah. yeah. Every band has a life cycle. It does. Sometimes that life cycle is 30 years. Sometimes it's like 30 minutes. It's true, man. <laughs> Usually yeah. it's somewhere in between. Like it, uh, the, the breaking point is if you get to a certain point and you haven't become like self-sustaining or you are not, your success is not growing financially, especially. Right. Because as, as you get, everyone's getting older. That's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get married. People and who usually check out when they do, or a lot of them do, mm-hmm. or they have children and they check out and kudos to you for not doing so mm-hmm. once again. Or someone goes to grad school or someone gets bored or some two of them have a fight or whatever. So it's a weird, the band life cycle thing is an interesting, like you could do like a PhD study yeah. on just the band life cycle, which I think is fascinating mm-hmm. and all the different factors that play into that. Um, so then Amelia, like you guys decide you're going to be a couple, you come out, you start this new band. Um, at this point you show up in Los Angeles. How long ago was that then? Four, would you it say was a, it was? It was almost four and a half years. Okay. And then, so now you're playing around Los Angeles. And then what was the decision? I mean, I'm skipping, I guess, a lot of stuff here. But, like, why? You're, you're doing well in Los Angeles. You must have been doing pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. And then why go back to, why go back to Austin? Um, we had a baby. Mm. And wanted her to be able to grow up around her grandparents. Okay. It was, was a, a very large, large part of that decision. Yeah. Was that a hard decision? Yes. Or was that an easy decision? Uh, it was... It was an easy decision to come to for her well-being. Right. It was um, a struggle to reconcile that uh, with ourselves, I think, especially for Eric. He had been here for a very long time. And L.A. was never on my radar as somewhere that I wanted to live. But when I started to come out and visit him and spend time in Echo Park, um, I fell in love with it, too. It was We were 
in equal parts sad and um, excited for the move. Yeah. I mean, now that you're back in Austin, I mean, it's, I have to say, if you're going to go back to a city or be from a city, it's not like you're going to, God help me if I have friends from, fans from Bismarck, <laughs> North Dakota. It's not like you're going to Bismarck. We, it, or we like are very some, fortunate to have uh, Austin as a hometown to yeah, return to. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, yes. if that's your fallback position, you're doing just fine. Yeah. You know, yeah, both agree. in terms of lifestyle, in terms of supporting the arts, in terms of supporting music, having places right. to play. Now, the question I have next, though, is both LA and Austin, I think, you know, they're, they're, I know a lot of musicians who've moved to Austin from Los Angeles. They get tired of the race out here. They get tired of the high prices. They go to they go to Austin. I myself was my Austin was my backup mm-hmm. when I moved to Los Angeles. I have some friends in Austin. I went and stayed for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Went busking on Sixth Street. Got made a buck eighty six before the cops shut me down. <laughs> which you know I don't know what the rules are, so I just showed up and started playing. That's impressive, uh, buck eighty six. Yeah, not bad. If I could make that, if I, you know that was only like ten minutes. So I guess what does that come out to? Like <laughs> nine bucks an hour or so. You know, minimum. I've, wage? I've been paid less than that to do things. <laughs> Uh, and to play music. But yeah, I, I, there's very strict rules, I guess, about showing up and busking on 6th Street, which I now know. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously great food there, great, lots of studios, mm-hmm. uh, kind of centrally located somewhat, even though it's on the south end, you can reach the eastern cities more easily, mm-hmm. drive across the desert to the western cities. Um, give me, like, a, the thing they share in common on the negative side is they're both saturated mm-hmm. with artists. And in some ways, Austin's worse because music is such a big thing in a smaller town. Right. Like, what do you have a preference? Do you have, like, give me a compare and contrast. Pretend you're in high school and this is a class. Right. right. Compare and contrast Los Angeles. Pretend and, I'm in high school. Austin. I'm going to fall asleep on my desk real quick. Yeah. That's okay. Carve your, carve your name. <laughs> Shoot a spitball at the guy in front of you. Pass me a note. They're, they're both great. The music scenes are, are, are great. Um, you know they're both saturated, like you say. I think, um, I think, at least when I was living in Austin, the difference—the difference then was maybe the approach to playing, playing live. I think there were like longer sets, kind of a more laid-back feel. In like, Austin, you mean? In Austin, right? You could sort of develop your band. They, you know, you'd get a chance to play and kind of uh, stretch out on stage. And we would do like these two, three-hour shows. And uh, so you had to be prolific, had to have a lot of material under your belt, and um, had to have a pretty good band backing you up to get to get going, and yeah. you would get to kind of dig in a little deeper creatively. Um, whereas L.A. is kind of like is a showcase kind of town. At least in my experience, it it, it it's like you got twenty eight and a half minutes to play your set, right? Get your shiniest songs out and go, you know, play them really well and then get off the stage. Yeah. And uh, that sounds negative about LA, but it, it was a super good learning experience. Let's call it a challenge. Yeah, well, you- That's what you, you call something that sucks when you want to call it something good, well, you, you call learn, it a challenge. You learn, it's a great lesson to learn. You learn how to be professional and how to, yeah. how to you know, get your stuff together and, and not slouch around and just yeah. kind of just like, all right, I got to knock this out of the park. And having that in your arsenal, being able to do that when right. you need to- is invaluable. It's a great thing to learn, and LA is great at teaching you that. At the same time, it's good to be able to um, kind of stretch out creatively in, in a live setting. How to, you know, maybe do a little improvisation and uh, do some songs that maybe you're not completely comfortable with, and put yourself in a different um, artistic space. Right. Um, 
I loved Austin for that as well. Now it's but now in the modern age, Austin is a little more like L.A. in that regard, right? The sets seems to be like, every time I go there. I mean, maybe there's a little more freedom, and it depends. Like anything else, it depends on the venue, depends on a lot, a lot of other variables and factors. But it seems you know Austin's grown up quite a bit. Right. You know, but they've they've now they call themselves the live music capital of the world and have for quite some time. You know, there's musicians when you land in Austin at the airport, there are musicians playing in the airport. Yeah. You know, like Nashville in a way. Uh-huh. Right. And uh I mean, or has it grown up? Have I got this wrong? Or has it changed? It seems like it's changed quite a bit since the times I've been there. It has changed, man. We have only been back for a pretty short while, three months. So we we you could say we're still getting our feet wet right. in the scene. We have. We were lucky enough to be asked to play shows right away, mm-hmm. and we moved back basically in the middle of you know South by Southwest. Right, so we right. had a string of shows for that, and those are always kind of throw and go shows, you know, right. twenty thirty minute sets. But um, we've done a handful of what I would consider you know regular shows in Austin, and the, the sets are still a little longer. We're yeah. getting some some longer sets in there, and uh, you know, and we've got some stuff coming up where. Uh, the sets are longer, but I don't think that I can make the call yet on yeah. how it's changed um, overall. No, I, I can't wait to be able to tell you though. Now, were either either of you can answer this, but are were, you were you were welcomed back? You know, rather than or were you not welcomed back? Like, tell me how how was to it? Austin? Yeah, we were very welcomed back. Okay, yeah, because there's that's the funny thing. There's a lot of animosity everywhere I go because I'm I'm not from Los Angeles. I mean, uh-huh. I've been here ten years or so, eleven years. Um, so I guess in one regard, I'm from Los Angeles. I've got deep roots here now as well, but I didn't grow up here. Uh, any network, any, anything I have here, I built here when I got here, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't have any relatives. Mm-hmm. don't have any, any, any other ties to this. I'm 2,000 miles away from my nearest blood relative. Mm-hmm. So anything I've got here in Los Angeles, I built here. But I have friends in Chicago who still, like they have disdain for Los Angeles, mm-hmm. who've never been to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. People from New York who don't like Los Angeles, who have never been to Los Angeles. Yes. People from Nashville who dislike Los Angeles, who have never been to Los Angeles. Yeah. She I, hated Los Angeles, <laughs> and she had never been to Los I Angeles. Had never <laughs> been to, um, I had been once, uh, but not had a great experience. I, I think, I feel like uh, Los Angeles definitely has a stigma around it um, to the rest of the country. I, I don't really know, even being a person who didn't like Los Angeles, uh, I I don't know why that is. Um, my impression of what this city was is nothing like how it actually is, if that yeah. makes any sense. Um, you know, in answer to your question, were we welcomed back? Yes, we were very welcomed back. I think that part of that is because Austin is our hometown. Right. Um, but, you know, in talking about the differences between the, in the music scenes between the two cities, one similarity that I think um, is very outstanding is that the appreciation of music in Austin and Los Angeles from the fans, the people that want to go out and hear live music, yeah. um, there's a hunger in both cities for that. And, um, and that's, that's something that... Uh, we feel really comfortable with, I think, in both places, is there there is a, a want and a need for the music. Yeah. 
And people, people do love it. I mean, people talk all the time, you know, the music business has died. To quote Gillian Welch, again, you know, everything is free now. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had to find new ways to do all these different things that we do. We've had to find new ways to read. I mean, we're still playing shows. We still string up guitars. We still write songs. We still sing songs. Like, that's analog and always will be. There's no other way that I can think of. Um, and I think to a certain extent, you know, this, this rise of Americana can be attributed to the hunger for something real. Mm-hmm. Music got very quantized, right. if you know that term in terms of recording and MIDI instruments. Yeah. Like everything got really locked into a beat yeah. and very a little sterile. Beat detective. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a little beat detective action going. And and I think you know you can even say you know Mumford's and, and Sons who got really really big with something you could loosely call maybe Americana esque. Yeah. Right, yeah. whether you like them or not, I don't even particularly like them, or right. maybe I don't. I don't know, <laughs> but it was real what they were doing. They were actually playing instruments, and I think like mm-hmm. bands like that were a reaction mm-hmm. to all of this stuff. And like Tom Petty looks over my dining room table yeah. in my dining room. There he is sitting right, staring back at me, it's like like I have said so many times, like WWTPD. What would Tom Petty do? Right. Like when I try to gut check a decision because he is stuck to his guns in terms of records prices back in the 80s mm-hmm. and the last DJ and the collapse of the radio business and the media and the conglomeration, the Reagan, the fallout from the Reagan era of consolidating radio stations. Now I'm getting like way off topic, but, yeah. but like, it, ties, it ties into what I was saying about America yeah. maybe being the new rock and roll kind of, yeah. certainly the attitude and the, you know, let's, let's break it down to the, to the, the basics, you know, Authenticity, yeah. authenticity is yeah. a word that it comes up a lot, or even perceived authenticity. Right. It's something you know? that's really ringing true um, on a on a heart and soul level. I think. Yeah, yeah. vibration. There yeah. it comes. There, there we go. That phrase again. <laughs> Let's make some vibrations. How, what's what's the next tune, guys? Or y'all, I should say. You guys are awesome. Do you say all, y'all in Austin, right? We do say y'all, and um, the plural of y'all. Do you know what the plural of you y'all is? All y'all. All y'all. Because <laughs> my grandmother, Alabama Backwoods, says Ewans. Yes. No, and yeah. All it's, y'all. it's y'all in Texas. You know, and I, know, I know some Southern. I know some Southern. I had, I had a show that I produced on the radio show that I work on. We had a very, very Southern person on one time. And the host of the show was from, grew up in Philadelphia. has lived in Los Angeles his whole life and is of <laughs> Jewish descent. Uh-huh. So he knows nothing from Southern accents. And it was funny because he couldn't, he physically couldn't understand what the person was saying. And I was like, I got on the talk back mic. I'm like, well, I can, I can literally translate this for you. He says, this is exactly what he's saying. It can be hard. <laughs> it's a different thing. Austin's, you know, more yeah. cosmopolitan. The Austin dialect is not, but you get like anything else, you get a hundred miles outside the city. Right. true. Could be anywhere. Yeah. All right. So once again, Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light. What is this song? This song's called All Right. All yeah. right. So let's hear this on Independence Day. Or the broken lights Come back tomorrow When the clouds are white It's too much rain tonight For sure Darkness at the break of noon And all the things you thought were cool Are changing See yourself inside those eyes The element 
and surprise is coming for you. Yeah, what else can you do? I'll be My name is Joe Armstrong. Their names are Eric Flores and Amelia Rose Logan. They comprise Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light. They've got the rest of the members of the band on ice in the truck. They couldn't fit in the dining room here at our studio. <laughs> that is a complete lie. They just played a slow show last night at the Grand Ole Echo with a full band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I look forward, at some point, I'm going to see a show with you guys doing the whole the whole full band thing. That's my preference. We'll yeah, be, we'll be back for full band shows quite but thank often. You. It sounds so lovely like that, though. 
It's cool. They have a good time doing it. And that's how you know a band knows what they're doing is if they can take away the artifice and they can take away the, the right. amps and they can take away the because it's so much fun to play with volume. But if you can play quietly, and you're, I you're, think you're doing all right. You're doing what you're doing. Yeah. So let's talk about the future because it's now you guys are kind of in the middle of the album cycle, right? You the album the, the album came out uh, last summer, mm-hmm. uh, eponymously titled record. There's that word again. Right. And which means you were recording it in the year or so prior to that, right. even. So, so that's to you guys, that's long gone. That's two, three years yeah, old. We're Did middle you? tail end of, of that cycle. Okay. You know, moving on to the next one. And how will this one be different, or will it? It is a little different. Um, I think, just personally speaking, the songwriting is better. My songwriting is better, um, which is that you want to move forward. That's the direction you want to be going in. Right. I think the way we you know, chose to produce it with, along with our friend Raymond Richards, um, is just, you know, again, moving forward, nothing, you know, the first album is great. In my opinion, it's a, it's an exact, you know, a pretty clear, um, reflection of what was happening at that time. It's where you were. Yeah. And, and that's what I think albums should be just kind of like, here, let's take a snapshot of, we didn't put a whole lot of thought into that record. We kind of got the guys who were like, you know what, we're going to go work with Mark Rains. He's this great guy, has a, has a studio in Echo Park called Station House. Mm-hmm. Um, other friends of ours have recorded there. Yeah. It is a great place, and he is amazing to work with. And uh, we'll do that again you know, sometime, I'm sure. But we just went in there, booked a stretch of days, got the guys in there, kind of worked out arrangements, had played a few live shows and with this particular set of guys and knocked the record out. And I think it sounds amazing. The record that's going to come out, we took a different approach. We're like, let's book, you know, two weeks straight. Everybody get off work. Let's have the band in there all the time. And let's work for 14 days, you know, tracking and then take a little break and come work for another 14 days mixing kind of thing. Um, and I think that shows in the music is a little more involved as far as, um, you know, some uh, overdubs and some studio stuff that we're going to be reproducing live, but we might need a utility musician or two yeah. in the mix. But that was a lot of fun for us. And I think it's going it, to, it, it sort of um, opened up a lot of the songs, like um, creatively. And uh, a couple of them are a bit longer than maybe some of the songs yeah. on the first record, but I think it's awesome, and we had a great time doing it. And then, how do you two determine, given that you're both writers, are you fairly balanced in terms of, hey, I have five songs, I have five songs, there you go? Because when you make a record, usually you know you start off with twenty, and then you might record fifteen, but then twelve wind up on the record. I mean, do you guys have a diplomatic way of working out whose songs wind up on stuff, or does someone get short shrift? Um, <laughs> most of the songs on, um, on the n- new record that we're going to be releasing, Eric wrote okay. and I edited, um, most, I, th- he is a much more prolific songwriter than I am. So that's the simple answer. That, that's the simple answer. Okay. <laughs> but it is 50, 50 in the decision-making process yes. okay. because of her heavy hand in the editing. Once we put Janine, that's her, right. Her, she's Janining you. <laughs> exactly. Once we put all the songs in the basket right. from, from which we're going to pull from, right. it is a 50-50 decision on which songs we're going to okay. pull out. Yes. And because it's not exactly co-writing, but because we do work together on them, we don't really think about it in terms of, I wrote this one, you wrote that one, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
we're a family now, so we're gonna right. be, we're gonna be sharing all the mailbox money anyway. So. <laughs> They're kind of all our songs. <laughs> yeah, all the publishing goes to the baby anyway. So right. <laughs> yeah, right in the the college fund for uh, for junior or juniors. What would you call juniorus? What would you call a, a, a baby girl? Juniorus, <laughs> juniorette. I think that's what we're gonna call it. I don't know if that's yeah. what anyone ever did. But. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm making up stuff. I don't know. Uh, it's, every band's different how they go about that. Yeah. And, you know, you want, I don't know, you want, I, I've wound up releasing everything under my own name because for a number of circumstances, but I never wanted it to be that way. Like I always started off as a band right. and a band name. And I could just go like the Iron and Wine route or the, there's a lot, or, or other bands where it's just, it's a name, but it's really just a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they always wind up being under my name, and I, w- I wish I could find a way out of that. I don't know. It's a funny ego check type thing for people. The music is so important to you, and the work that you put in is so much sweat equity and so much labor and love. Um, it's interesting. I think for us, releasing these songs um, under the band name, just it's the natural thing to do for yeah. us. you know. Because like you said, we don't exactly co-write, but the the way the songs are completed, mm-hmm. the finished product is so, such a labor of love by the both of us yeah. that it's, it's the band. Okay, I have, I have one last question before mm-hmm. I want to hear this last song and I want to hear why you're playing a song as well. But the question is, you know, in a band where there are two singers, uh, you know, and just watching the songs that you're doing today, like, you know, Eric, you'll take the lead on something. Amelia, you'll take the lead on something else. Um, and if the songs are mostly yours, are you writing specifically for her, apart for her? Or do you write a song and then Amelia say, well, hey, she says, I think maybe I should sing this on that. Or do you, like, how do you work that out? Because it's, you guys are more, I don't want to say Leuven brothers necessarily, because there's a lot of two-part harmony as well. But it's not all two-part harmony. Right. Sometimes it's a lead with harmony. Sometimes she takes the lead, you're singing harmony. Mm-hmm. Like, is that something that's constructed from the get-go or something that evolves as the song changes once you bring it to her? I think it starts out as an instinct thing. Like I hear, that, like, for example, the first song that uh, we played for you today, Crow, I wrote that before I met her, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, not met her, but before we got together in right. LA. And um, immediately one night after hearing her sing it, I was like, you should you should have this song. I'm going to give this song to you to sing. Not in the project. The project wasn't even around yet. And then I changed my mind later on down the line. I was like, no, you know, I, I think I should sing it. Um, and it sounds better with him singing. Other songs, uh, Nothing to Escape, for example, I just immediately knew she should you know she should sing that song after i heard her do it i was like give this song a shot first verse just the way her voice resonate resonated with the lyrics and the message was much more clear when i heard yeah. it through her voice i don't think there's a set way that we decide it it is instinct at first but it plays itself out and it's usually pretty immediate mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah. oh well, definitely that should be you singing this the gender switch thing is always fascinating for me when it's a male writer writing for a female voice yeah man because if it has to feel authentic from a female perspective because it may or may not depending on how the song is written the the greatest example i can think of not counting like the professional songwriters like Mm -hmm. the 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 diane warrens of the world and those people um uh is uh the cowboy junkies from toronto Uh all the lyrics all the music is written by michael 
yeah. the brother. And then Margot sings them all. But mm-hmm. like for me, he's so good at getting into the female psyche. Now, I'm a man. Maybe I'm an idiot and I'm just missing something, yeah. right? But listening as a songwriter, it sounds so definitively female, the right. perspectives, the way that the lyrics come through. You know, a man wrote uh, Natural Woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's not surprising. You can... <laughs> Do you have anything to add? I don't know about as the, as the generally. Woman in the room? Yeah, I don't know about generally <laughs> speaking. Um, I know from a personal standpoint, Eric's songs are very easy for me to connect to emotionally and sing because because we share a life together, and yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of what he's writing about is what's going on in our lives or um, perspectives of the world that we share. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes it easy. I mean, when you're seeing kind of eye to eye, it's easy, for example, you know, it's easy for, for you to sing someone else's song if you see exactly yeah. where they're coming from. One and, last question, and then I want to hear this next tune, because mm-hmm. I keep saying that one last question, but I, they keep bubbling up <laughs> as we go, as we get into this. Like, that's where the stuff gets good. When conflict arises, because it inevitably does, uh-huh. in the studio, in a song, how do you resolve that? Because you can't just go to your respective homes and right. drink some scotch and curse uh-huh. the other's name. I mean, I guess you could go to your sit on either side of the couch and do that, but like, how do you how do you work that out in your in your organization, in your relationship? I think it it's been a learning process for us um, to keep as much as we can the professional side of having the band um, from the personal side. Yeah, when we're working, we're working, and when we're not working, we settle things differently. It's true. It's it's we've had to kind of kind of split it up because when it comes to the band and the business um, of the band, I pretty much run the show. Yes. When it comes to the rest of everything, <laughs> she runs the show. And yeah. uh, when I say run the show, I don't mean it in such an, yeah. an aggressive <laughs> way. But I, that's just you know. So sometimes it'll be it it, it it took a while for her to be able to listen to me when I would say something like we're running late. We're going to have to go ahead and leave now so we can be at the theater. She'd be like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> don't boss me around. It's like, wait, it's let true. me let me manage the band right you now. You don't tell the colonel, you ask the colonel. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, in, in that respect, there are times when, you know, there's a personal fight that happened, but we're going to practice or play a show. That has, stays over there. And, and this is professional. Or if there's, you know, a disagreement that happens during practice, it doesn't go home. I'm sure the rest of the band members... Appreciate that. <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> All right. So you've got a song. Like, this is a very fascinating song that you've chosen. There's also a video of this if you go to their website mm-hmm. as well, which is fairbanksandthelonesomelight.com. You can see this video. Nicely shot. Black and white. Looks cool. And this is a song very near and dear to my heart. One of my favorite bands of all time. Why did you pick this? Or who? Either of you. When we started singing together uh, before the band was formed and then after the band was formed as well, um, we had friends asking us to sing specific songs. Oh, can you please do this one in two-part harmony? Oh, can we please play this song? I would love to hear you guys play this. Um, so we we started um, doing video live videos of mm-hmm. the different songs. They're per request of... Um, phone calls or text messages or you know things that we've gotten from friends and what they want to hear friends and family um fearless was one of them and it was the video was shot by uh two friends of ours rachel zarinski and nancy Wal- uh, walters and uh, they did a 
just beautiful job. Yeah, and it's an old Pink Floyd song. Just yeah. it's a pre-Dark Side of the Moon Pink yeah. Floyd song, but yeah. after Sid Barrett. Right. It's that era after Sid, they checked him out, which was like sixty-eight or so, I think, yeah. sixty-seven and seventy-two. So there's a long period in there where Floyd were doing their thing, and then Dark Side made them the household name. Yeah, that it's they off are, of the continue off to of be. the uh, the metal record. Yeah, which is so great because there's mm-hmm. these like short little tunes on on one side of the record. Well, when if you're listening to it on vinyl, when there were sides to records, <laughs> right? Um, and then the other side is Echoes, one long song, and. Uh, I hope someone requests that we do that one sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Camper Van Beethoven has covered Echoes. They did Echoes in oh. its entirety, <laughs> which is a huge song. It's an it's an ominous song and has beautiful parts and frightening parts and in the middle there's this huge noise section. Uh, it's the it's the song that I play at Halloween parties on the constant loop. That's uh-huh. great because it's kind of like and it's and plus Andrew Lloyd Webber ripped off that chromatic thing yeah. for the main theme from uh Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Floyd did it first. It's so great. And you hear that submarine like guitar echo sound on so many things now. Do that. You know how he did it? No. I, I just recently read this because I saw it, Gilmore this past great, spring. He had that great tape echo machine, right? It actually was, they plugged a fuzz pedal in backwards. Oh. His guitar tech, Phil Taylor, who he's had since the yeah. dawn of time, like they plugged this fuzz pedal in backwards and it made this funny pinging noise. So then it became a thing. So cool. It's like not even as, it's even simpler than you think it would be. Right. Like you think it would be a tape echo or like yeah. plicking the guitar above the, the bridge, or excuse me, above the nut, right. or some other crazy spring thing in the back, but it's a, it's a weird fuzz pedal idi- <laughs> idiosyncrasy. Anyway, I'm a total Gilmore head, yeah. man. We, don't, we can't go down this road. The show will be 10 hours long. <laughs> yeah. so, so obviously, um, Fearless is one of Eric's favorites. That's the thing. When they requ- <laughs> when someone requested yeah. that, I was like, oh, are you kidding? I've been wanting to do this song forever. And that's oh, one, please, of, the no. lu- that's yeah, one yeah. of the lucky things about uh, when we st- started doing these requests, because it, it was a no-brainer to do it. The Friends that were requesting the songs, they were songs we wanted to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. Your friends I, have good taste. Yeah. They do. Nice to you. So thank you for doing this. I can't <laughs> wait to hear it. And this is the stripped down version too. So this is the just the total, just the duo version. Yeah, a little mandolin, a little guitar. All right. So once more, Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light, Fearless by Pink Floyd. Hill and mountain way 
just wait a while for the right day. And as I rise above the tree lines and the clouds, I look down, hear the sound of the things you said today. Pink Floyd from Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light Austin-based band. They're here in Los Angeles. So happy to have them in our studio. Thank you so very much. Thanks for, for having for us, For being here. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for playing that music. And thank you for like having a kid and keeping in the game. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you give hope to all of us who seek to procreate and yet have awesome careers in music. I hope so, man, because we received that hope from mm -hmm. other couples who have done it before us. Yeah. Yes. And as soon as we found out that we were pregnant, I suddenly these 
couples that I know that are doing it just lit up yeah. my field of vision. I was like, I need to talk to you guys. Yeah, yeah. How, first of all, and uh, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, man, it's easier than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, provided that it's done under the right, you right. know, mm-hmm. under the right circumstances. People, you, you love each other and you right. love music. You're not going to give that up. It really gives it an extra little sparkle. It yeah. makes it it makes it a lot of fun. People forget that you write your script. Right. You write your life. Yes. You write those circumstances will befall you. There are things that will happen to you in your life that you have nothing to do yeah. with and nothing you can do about other than how you deal with it. Exactly. Right. You can you know? control your reaction. So, you know, drive your boat, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so congratulations. Keep it up. Good Thank work. And you. let me know when the new record comes out. I look forward. And next time you guys are in town when the record drops, we'll have you back. That's that's industry lingo, by the way. Right on. Drops. <laughs> well, you'll come in, we'll have you come in and play some of the new tunes again. Maybe we'll get some more musicians with you next time. Call Kevin Milner. Oh, Kevin Milner. <laughs> good old Kevin so it's been fantastic having you guys on the show uh, drop by indepthday.com to hear lots of other episodes and hear some more of their music as well and of course Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light.com is their website so thank you to Eric and Amelia from Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light also to the Independence Day staff Dale Tanksley Wayne Topinski and Sally Shackleton the erudite Tony Tonlok Piscotti manages the Independence Day website Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society as always for Independence Day I am Joe Armstrong please be good to one another <laughs>